Welcome back to The Everyday Hair Colorist. Today's guest is Tegan Robinson, better known as Peach Soda in some circles. She's a young freelance colorist and educator with only six years in the industry. She's got a strong brand and she's been nominated for a Creative Head Award and she's working for brands like Pulp Riot and Brazilian Bond Builder. At six years, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. What an incredible intro. <laughs> well, what an incredible story so far. Six years in the industry, Tegan. Where did it start for you? How did it all start? Well, to be honest with you, it's actually almost coming up to six years. My six-year anniversary will be in September. Um, and I hope everyone's ready and settled. Get yourself a nice glass of wine or something because you're coming on a journey with me right now. <laughs> Taking this... <laughs> <laughs> Let's get dramatic. Um, so to tell you my story into hairdressing, I have to go all the way back to kind of like my childhood story. Um, all growing up, I was super creative. I was always that weird kid. And I think when you discussing like creative kids and stuff like that the education system really leaves out a lot and you're kind of funneled into certain parts of creativity um I was kind of screwed because I was terrible at art and I couldn't draw for anything <laughs> so I kind of fell into the fashion design thing all my life I always thought I'd want to be a designer um because I didn't really know what else was out there. Hairdressing wasn't really sold to me. So I went down the fashion design route. I went to university, hated it, was terrible, got kicked out. And I was kind of at a loss. I was like, oh, shoot, what do I do with my life now? It's funny that you talk about that because a lot of people have been on here talking about the fact from young hairdressers to older hairdressers talking about how schools don't support that those people who are slightly different that don't conform into exactly. the regular go to university box type of thing, which it's all become now. So the sad thing with the education system is that it's kind of like a one size fits all box. Um, and it's only really when I went through the kind of university system, fell through that, failed, is when I started to look for other things because I was kind of at a loss. And it kind of all fell into place one night when I was at home watching my favourite film, Priscilla Queen of the Desert. And if you haven't seen that, stop what you're doing and record at ASAP. And I was watching it. Um, and one thing is I, I, I wanted to get into fashion because I was always obsessed with drag queens. I wanted to do drag queen costumes. So I was watching this and I was looking at their amazing wigs and I can't, something just clipped, clicked in my brain and I thought, you know what, maybe I'll become a hairdresser and design drag queen wigs. <laughs> and then it all came from that. And then the day after I contacted this... Um, amazing new salon in East London which is called Butchers still an amazing thriving salon um, and I messaged them and the day after I got um, a apprenticeship with them so it all started from there. Let me ask you this then so do you live in East London did you live in East London then or how did you find this salon what what made you call them because the the wigs and all of that stuff from film yeah. And then suddenly you call this salon in East London. Were you, was it a local salon? Had you heard of them? Had you researched them? So I went to university at the University of East London. And I think back then I was kind of 
uh, when I was 18, so eight years ago. It was when the whole kind of gay scene in East London was thriving, Dalston Superstore and all that jazz. Um, and I think for me personally, I had no idea about the hair industry. Um, I kind of thought, you know, I was a bog standard rush and those kind of things. And I never really resonated with that side of the industry. Um, and I followed this one lady on Instagram who is super cool, Katie Knox. She is the founder of Butcher's Salon and she was into hairdressing. And I thought, oh, wow, like, right. I never, I've never seen that side of hairdressing. And I, I never realised that you could be really creative, work in the fashion industry and be a hairdresser. And that really appealed to me. And I, I kind of thought like, oh, like, I, maybe this is my people. Maybe this is my my plan. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's funny that people don't... But No, it's not funny. It's strange and disheartening, actually, that people don't understand that the industry has such breadth to it that you can be so... I mean, the stories that people have told on here have just been fascinating. And about, and there's so many different facets to the industry that you can be that in. Is, yeah, that's the most amazing thing. You can honestly make it whatever you want to do and same with careers uh careers aren't a one-size-fits-all box you can really kind of hairdressing caters to every single kind of person out there you mm. get your business side you get creative um you can go into session styling whatever you want to do with your career you can kind of do it and that's one thing that we don't speak enough about in the industry and i think that's one way we'll really be able to sell it to kind of younger people coming into the industry <laughs> So you go for the interview and you get your apprenticeship. Yeah. And what was that like? Because obviously you went into it slightly older. I mean, 18 isn't old by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a little bit older than the 16 mark or the 15 mark when some kids start. So I was actually 20 when I started my apprenticeship. I'd done two years at university, which failed. I got kicked out. Um, so I kind of came running back to London with my tail between my legs and started this whole new journey in hairdressing and I knew nothing I didn't know how to hold a brush I didn't know about scissors I had zero idea um but I think what really kind of inspired me was I was lucky enough to be in like the thriving east end of London and everyone I was with was super cool and creative and for me a young person that's always been very misguided that's fell through the cracks and that's kind of never found their people um it was like opening a whole new world for me um and I think especially doing an apprenticeship in London, there's something magical about it. Yes, it's tough as hell and you work your fingers to the bone, but you feel like you're in something. You feel like you're kind of working for something greater and bigger. And I, kind of, I don't know, my apprenticeship at the beginning really felt like I was in a movie, you know, like the devil wears Prada kind of thing. It resonated with you, basically. Yes, 100%. So how long did you apprentice for then? Oof. So my apprenticeship was very long. My apprenticeship was about four years. I did two years at Butchers um, and then I moved to Not Another Salon um, and I spent two years there until I, yeah, probably about three and a half years in my training. So it was a very long, gruelling apprenticeship, but I'm thankful for it now. Yeah, because normally these, this, I mean, I was just talking to somebody for an earlier podcast and they same time as me, really. It was five years then, sort of three years as an apprentice, and then two years as a junior mm. stylist. And then it's sort of gone down to two to get your MVQ. But personally, I kind of feel like, you know, that doesn't really put you on. Your MVQ2 doesn't necessarily make you qualified. Oh, my goodness. No. no. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I think 
that is one good thing about doing apprenticeship in London is yes it takes so long but almost immediately when I was on the floor I was able to kind of go into any salon and be capable to work with anyone so I am thankful for that in that sense. Yeah I mean it's a good start I think it leads you on really well. Now what um, what made you switch midway between the, the apprenticeship? Any particular reason or...? Yeah, so the the salon that I started working at, Butchers, it is an amazing salon. However, I was the first apprenticeship at the salon um, and they were a brand new business. And I think maybe their... Um, I, Training-wise, I wasn't able to get exactly what I wanted out of training because I think the people that were working in the salon were so busy kind of starting up their business. Um, and as well, I could kind of see that the salon was going in a different direction style-wise. It's a beautiful kind of eco-friendly, um, more of a natural, edgy salon. And I think, as everyone can tell, I'm very jazz hands <laughs> and super colourful. Um, and I heard about Not on the Salon just opening and I'm a sucker for anything exciting and colourful. So um, I jumped ship then um, and it it was a hard decision then because I think in hairdressing, especially as an apprenticeship, you get really attached to the people that you work for. I think you do all the way through, to be honest. I think that when, yeah. when you find a team and you're growing with them, when you say goodbye, even if it's on good terms or bad terms, there's still a period of mourning and have lost oh absolutely yeah. it's like a pure grief and I think that's the funny thing in the hair industry there's a very fine line between personal and professional and it's a line that gets clouded with every kind of work related relationship you have in the industry um so it there's a lot of emotion behind everything that people do within the hair industry I think, uh, you'll find I think you'll probably find that it, you, when you get into the 30 odd years in the industry you that line gets clearer Oh, yeah, well, I bloody hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. So you went into Not Another Salon when it first started. That must have been a, like, a wow, because that, that, that started with a bang, really, didn't it? And it was very social, very social, straight off the bat. Yeah, it was it was a super exciting time. And I think the most amazing thing was there was a group of people from all different walks of life. And I think that's what made the salon. That's what kind of grew the salon into the amazing thing it is. It's like all the amazing, weird, hard work that we all individually put into it. And all such an amazing group of, like, the kind of caption goes a group of misfits um and we all put our heart and soul into kind of creating something mm. so i have a lot of good memories from that time and i kind of made bonds with people that will never be broken and that's that it's always a lovely thing for that to happen to make those bonds and is that where you really got into vivids oh absolutely yeah yeah i think that kind of opened my eyes and i think it, it kind of started a kind of hair color revolution for most people um and it brought kind of vivids to front and center line which is an amazing thing and it kind of made me able to create a whole career based on vivid hair yes. because there's so many hairdressers even now that kind of brush it to the side and think oh rainbow hair is cheap no i'm beneath me um but what it did it kind of uh leveled the skill and brought up to people's attention. I think Vivid's made it seem exciting to a lot of people, whereas before it hadn't. And I think that Vivid's photograph so well, don't they, that it's sort of, they, it pulls you in. 
So that's another thing to talk about is the whole Instagram era. Like even when I take a picture of the most beautiful balayage, it will maybe get half the likes that it will with a super bright, colourful picture. And that's just how Instagram works. Eye-catching colours is going to produce more kind of traction to your page and stuff like that unless you are an amazingly outrageously talented man like yourself <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to natural there's only one pink on my page and it's very low down at the beginning <laughs> well i'm gonna find it after this chat <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about instagram first of all let's go because you know you're you're oh yeah you are um your pictures are great what, what were your learning curves on instagram what are your thoughts about it Oh my goodness, I have such a love-hate relationship with Instagram, honestly. It is a full-time job and I think for me recently I've really had to find my balance with Instagram because it's it's an issue because I get all my business from Instagram. However, it's always in my mind that I want to make it as genuine and as honest as as possible. And that's very hard with Instagram because you feel a constant pressure to post and you have feel a constant pressure for it to kind of look a certain way and be a certain way. Um, and it's hard for me personally to not get, get drawn into that kind of side of it. Um, however, I mean, I'm still learning and finding my way with it every day. It is the most incredible tool and it has honestly brought me... Um, uh, almost every opportunity I've ever had in the industry comes from social media, which might sound quite ridiculous to others. Um, but yeah, I'm learning and growing with it every day and I'm still trying to find my balance with it. But I think it's a hard one, isn't it? Because it's on your phone, basically. So it's with you all yeah. the time. Let me ask you a quick question. Do you have a web website or do you rely totally on Insta? So I rely totally on Instagram. I did start a website. It's pointless. I don't need right. it. Um, even when it comes to stuff like booking. And this is why I, I like I work 24 hours a day pretty much because I get all my bookings through Instagram, usually being freelance. I run my t business solely through that bloody app. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Because I find that most of my business comes through Instagram. I don't know whether my website does much at all because everything's on my Instagram page. <laughs> it's like you can email me, yeah. you can message me and you can book a course through it, you know, so. Yeah, fantastic. So what do you think the pitfalls of Instagram? You've you talked briefly about the fact that you find it hard to get a balance on there. Um, yeah. What makes you, pulls you into it all the time and how do you stop yourself? Do you limit your timing on it? Um, uh, no, I don't limit my time on it. I probably should <laughs> um, because it kind of controls my life, but I've not found that balance yet in my life. Um, I think you... It's kind of how you see Instagram. Like, I, I do definitely see Instagram as a business tool. But then, for me personally, I'm an oversharer. And I think everyone has their own kind of take on Instagram. Um, and I think people... One kind of... Um, one tip that I will say for Instagram is if you are trying to build your Instagram, it's so easy to kind of look at everyone else's things and feel like you're not good enough or um, you're not doing enough. I mean, even myself, I look at these amazing session stylists Instagram and I think, oh my gosh, I can't do an amazing Yong and stuff like that. You, you really get drawn into looking at other people's lives and kind of... Um, 
leveling yourself up to them but one thing i will say that an easier way and an easier take on instagram and to build your own business is to find what what you want to do with your Instagram find what you want to say and kind of put your own stamp on it and I think that's one thing that um why Instagram works for me is because I I found my thing I found my niss as some people might say um because I, there's so many amazing Instagrams out there and there's so many people that I, I have to say are way better than me at hair <laughs> some people are just incredible and uh there's thousands of instagrams that are just beautiful pictures of hair and i know that i could never be as good as that and i will never kind of stand out from that so um what i would say is to kind of find your own thing and find what makes you different well mary from behind the chair always says find your path and stick to it. Yes, yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And that's, I think people really need to, especially with hairdressing, like we said before, you can do anything with this industry. And people really fall into the kind of um, one-size-fits-all mentality. And um, people need to realise that they can make their career into anything they want to do. And they can go amazing places with it absolutely i think so too now i'm looking at your instagram now so you've got fifteen thousand followers which is really good and mm-hmm. you've got a you've got a little bit of politics on there um yep. you've got some fantastic hair on there some vivids a doll head some quotes so you kind of have just your page do you think your page is very reflective of who you are Yes, and that's another thing. Because I spend so much time on Instagram, I really want to share who I am. And I think for me personally, I'm a very passionate person, as you might be able to tell from my Instagram. Um, And I think especially because I have a platform, I feel really passionate about the fact that I need to be, you know, sharing my... Yeah, I mean, it's a a very powerful platform. And I think you you can do some of those messages. Personally, I've kept my politics sort of a little laid back on my page, but mm-hmm. my stories, you can definitely tell where I stand politically on my stories. And that's yeah, where I've 100%. started to push mine on there. Yeah, absolutely. Moving forward, you what Creative Head Award did you um, get nominated for? So that was Rising Star Award. Sadly, I didn't win it, but that is one of my big goals. One of my goals in life is to win a Creative Head Award. I have no idea what, but it will be mine one day. It will be yours one day. I it love that. I love the fact I... that um, that you're going to go for that. I think awards are really exciting and great places to showcase young talent, old talent, in, be- in, in between ages talent. I mean, there are so many different ones now. Yeah. Um, what, what are the ones that you would like to go for? Um, I guess I need to see where my career progresses in the future. Um, I'm going through a weird stage in my career at the moment because I'm currently in the process of moving to Australia for a year I'm not too sure what this year is going to be like for me career wise I always said when I went freelance that I'll never work for anyone again (laughs) because I love not to go and that's a terrible idea but I have decided um for me personally I've been working so hard I don't even I've not even really had a holiday ever in my life um so I think this is a really good point and I think it's important for personal growth for me to do something like this I mean I'm 26 and like I say I have such big career plans I think it'll be silly not to take the opportunity to go and maybe have fun and explore the world a bit before I knuckle down and do more work. Let's talk about this going to Australia thing obviously we're now in a sort of Covid pandemic non-pandemic 
this podcast will be going out later in the year, so we'll we'll all have gone back to work. Um, do you plan to still go? Yeah, um, and I I guess life kind of chose a path for me, and I think even though everything is going so well in my life, and I think. Because it's going so well, it means that it can go well again and I can build my business up again and I can kind of start from scratch. Instagram is a great thing for that kind of um, plan. So I think it's a good time for me to kind of pause things and go have another adventure before I get down and put some serious work into it. Because I think the next few years of my career are kind of going to be detrimental to my grand success (laughs) in life. So I think this is my last chance to go away um, have a great time and then come back and start my business. I think that's good. It's quite clever though, because you you recognise the fact that Instagram isn't disappearing. So you can still gram, you can still build, you can still do all, you can still post all oh, of yeah. that. It just means you're in a different city. Business-wise, it might be a little bit weird, but then you can go on to it. But I actually found my American experience helped me more back in my English experience because it brought another, it brought another oh, dynamic, really? another way of working that, I hadn't picked up in England and so I for me it was a it was a pro to get up and go um but then I was only supposed to go for a couple of years and I ended up staying for you know 18 (laughs) so you you, oops you'll never know what could happen to you I mean you could go say for a year and you could end up living the um, the Australian dream it's interesting you say that actually because I recently with the brands that I work for Brazilian Bond Build and Pulp Riot they're both American brands and I have it's been like a breath of fresh air working for these brands because they have a totally different take on the industry they work totally different and it's so good and it's so good for your character and just your career in general to experience different ways of how people do it I think we get really stuck in a bubble in the UK we're such a strong thriving industry and we kind of forget that this is not the only way to do it I, I think I think that's really true. I mean, I, I know some Australians and they've, they've been super successful uh, in Australia. And the way that they approach hair is, is a different aesthetic to the English. And it's, a, it's more commercial, I think. And then there's that sort of, they're slightly different to the American commercial. So the styling is, is different. So it has a different feel to it. So I think that only adds a spoke to your wheel. Exactly. That's how I'm thinking of it. And I think just being a pushing myself and being in a new environment is also a good thing. I'm very comfortable in my career here. I'm so happy with all the people I know. Um, and I think being comfortable sometimes can mean being lazy. Um, and not I'm not in a position where I'm constantly pushing myself, maybe. But being in a new position, being in a new uh country with people that I don't know, it's really going to push me out of my comfort zone. I'm going to be having to do things that I'm not used to doing and I think that is going to be a very good but possibly hard lesson for me. There's nothing wrong with a hard lesson as long as something comes out of it. Now let's talk about the brands that you're working with. So of course Pulp Riot sort of talk about Game Changer. They were a product company that was launched on Instagram um, my friend Jay Olson, of course, is very much a part of that. They um, 
they blew it up in the USA. They didn't use any rules. They literally started on Instagram. I think that is so fantastic. That's why working for them is so fun and really super easy because they're just such a genuine, organically grown, amazing brand. Super exciting. Tell me more. How did you how did they how did you find them or how did they find you? So they found me on ding 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 Instagram. Like they do everything. And then another interesting thing about them, they always kind of mention the fact that when they kind of they never they don't use any kind of PR people or salespeople. Everything they do was strictly on Instagram. And I think that's one reason why they're such a successful brand, is because um they they think in a modern way. I mean, times have changed since kind of L'Oreal and all those other huge brands came out. And I think um, Pulp Bright is the modernisation that the hair industry needed, really. And they kind of tackled things in a totally unique and modern way of thinking I suppose. Um, so that's why everything they do is super fresh and exciting. And you know what? They're the, the owners, mm. David and Alexis, they are the most down-to-earth, amazing people you ever meet. They are so wildly rich and successful now. But when they, you'll see them at hair events and they'll be washing the hair. They'll be cleaning up. They'll be, like, taking up your, like, empty trash and putting it in the bin and stuff like that. Um, and I think when a huge company is like that, is run by such genuine and down-to-earth people, it spreads and kind of... I'm a firm believer that you are the culture you create. And when you're so down-to-earth and kind of... Um, that's what they look for in their, their artists. They, yes, they, absolutely. Um, and one amazing thing about them is David, the, um, the owner, says... It's crazy how in the hair industry, which is 85% women, why is it that you see men, whenever you go to any hair event, it's always a man up there. And they, they, there is, there's such a small percent of men. However, they get so many more opportunities, like big stage opportunities than women. And that's one thing that they've always kept in like the front of their mind is that they want to give opportunities to yeah. women. Um, and uh, I would like to touch on the fact that recently they did kind of get called out um, for their lack of diversity in their brand and they don't have many people of colour working for them and how they dealt with that and how they came out was just so honourable and you could really see the integrity and they just they want to do better they want to be better um, and they are they say if anything goes wrong like call us out because we're we all we want to do is create like an amazing kind of viewing men or if it's the fact that maybe these men are more confident than women um but it's an interesting thing and i think it's something that does need to be brought up i have to agree with you i've always wondered why an industry full of women has always been dominated by men amen and i think that's one good thing about this whole kind of civil rights movement at the moment is it's bringing a lot of things to light and I think the main issue is we all individually need to take accountability personally and I know even when all this came to light I was kind of I was reflecting on myself and I was actually um quite shocked like yes I I, I colour afro hair but do I know how to braid no if someone with afro hair came to me and sat in my chair I wouldn't know the best way to kind of treat their hair and that number one it's an issue because it's I was never taught that and I was never um, part of my kind of training. But number two, I should have taken it off my own back to go and learn those things. Mm. I spent a lot of money on education. I've gone to a lot of courses, but why haven't I taken upon myself to learn 
um, to go to an Afro hair salon and learn Afro hair. Um, and I think that's one good thing that it's really inspiring change in everyone. And I think oh, there's so many huge salons out there that don't do it and that claim ignorance, but you, you, you're ignorant because you've let yourself be ignorant and we all need to be accountable. Mm. Definitely, there's food for thought in there, but there's a lot of food for thought in our world at the moment, is there not? Agreed. There's a lot of us that need to reflect on what we contribute to the problems and the ills in society. Yeah, absolutely. And I think hopefully this will diversify, even kind of bring together, because there are very two separate industries. There's the black hair industry and there's the white hair industry. I remember going to a, um, a hair event um, and it was obviously pre predominantly uh, white people and there were two people of colour in the audience and like um, I remember someone like kind of stopping and be like oh hi like why are you here like oh wow so nice to see a black person at this event and it was this really kind of like awkward you know like meet of like like two different people and I just thought you know this is really this is really outrageous <laughs> uh this 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 can't be happening so I think this is one good thing that is coming out of this um is the is diversification a word I think it might well be I know what you're talking about <laughs> oh fantastic so with your um with your pop riot will you will you be able to transfer your role to the US with them Australia, yes, yeah, they're set up in Australia. And the amazing thing is Australia um, is quite new to Australia as well and they're not as built up in the UK. So I can really go out there and put my stamp on it. Um, so I've got a lot of big plans for Australia, working with Brazilian Bond Builder and Pulp Riot. So that is exciting. That's really exciting. So you haven't really just kind of decided to get up and go. You've got some plans in there too. Oh, I know. Typical Capricorn. Work, naughty, work, work. Naughty, <laughs> naughty, naughty. Now, Brazilian yeah. Bond Builder... What, what's your role with them? And how did you fall into that one? I mean, you've got six years, not quite, in the business. You're educating yeah. for Pulp Riot. You're travelling off to Australia. You're freelancing oh, and doing really well. You've been nominated for an award. And now also Brazilian Bond Builder. So again, Brazilian Bond Builder found me on Instagram. They have also luckily only just come to the UK. Um, and I think I just, last year was a very lucky year for me because two of the biggest brands in the whole industry happened to come to the UK. And that luckily, that was another great thing about Instagram. They found me through Instagram and I started working from them. And we're really lucky in the UK because we're small, but we get as many opportunities as US stylists do. Um, so I know kind of, I've got so many amazing opportunities. However, um, they kind of just got given to me really easily. But I know in the in the US, there's so many thousands of hair artists out there that would kind of fight for what I've been given. So I am very privileged in that sense to be, have been given these. And it is very, I am very young and kind of make sure that people know who I am so you just have to have balls and even if you're not kind of confident fake it <laughs> make yourself known I don't think I think it's fantastic and I think it's really cool but I don't think it's all about luck and you say that and that, I think that's quite an English thing to say oh it's just luck you know I'm lucky yes we many of us are fortunate things happen but I think that they all they come to you because you have something that's why they come to you and um, I don't think it's just sheer luck. I think there's a lot of hard work that goes in there. And the way, the way in which you've worked in the last six years brings those things. It's the fruits of the labour, so to speak. 
Well, I want to wish you all the best on your journey. And I certainly am going to be one that's going to be watching you. Um, as you go to Australia, I want to see what you get up to there too. And for when you come back, if you come back. Um, for everybody that wants to follow you on Instagram, what's your handle and spell it out? My handle is peach soda. That is P-E-A-C-H-S-O-D-A-A. There you go, guys. Thanks so much for coming on today. A great story. And then this is only your beginning. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. I just want to say it is such an honour to be speaking to you because you know I'm such a big fan of yours <laughs> and I love you oh that's silly we always it's not an honor at all i'm always available for chats and i whenever i see you we'll always have a good old giggle yes we do. brilliant thank you so much well thank you so i hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as i did making it for you don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcast from itunes is my favorite but i know there are others out there and also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolor, C-O-L-O-R.com.